Well, praise the Lord, my friends. Praise the Lord. This is Pastor Mark A. Stroud, and I thank you once again for joining me for this very special edition of Kingdom Rock Radio. Well, on today's broadcast, we're going to continue in the new series entitled Unwrapping the Gift. We're going to discover the real meaning of Christmas. So I pray that you are richly blessed. Remember, if you would like to know more about our ministry, just log on to www.kingdomrock.org. There you can become our friend on Facebook, subscribe to our YouTube channel, and you can catch our services live on the web. Just look at the countdown timer and it'll let you know when the next live service is going to occur. All right, without any further ado, here comes the message, Unwrapping the Gift, Part 2, right here on Kingdom Rock Radio. Well, once again, I, I definitely want to welcome all of you here, all of our friends, all of our visitors. Welcome, welcome, welcome to all of you today. All right, in Luke, the first chapter, verse 26, it says this. It says, and in the sixth month of, and in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God unto a city of Galilee. Are you there? In Luke, the first chapter, verse 26. The city was named, of course, Nazareth. To a virgin espoused to a man whose name was Joseph. That is correct. Thank you for reading with me. Of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. Thank you. Verse 28. And the angel came in unto her and said, Hail, thou art, uh, thou that art highly favored. The Lord is what? The Lord is with you in what? Blessed art thou among women. And when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying, and cast in her mind what manner of salutation this should be. And the angel said unto her, what? Fear not, Mary. Thou hast what? Rather, for thou? That's right. For thou hast found favor with God. And behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. Jesus. Uh, he shall be great and shall be called the son of the highest. And the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father, David. Now, I want you to make a special note of that. The throne of his father, David, it, because if you're not a student in the word, you would think that David was his father. Are you hearing? Let's go on. Make note of that. Verse 33, it says, and he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever and of his kingdom. There shall be what? No end. Make special note of that as well. Verse 30, verse 32 and 33 are very key, very key now. Of his kingdom there will be no end. Then said Mary unto the angel, How shall this be, seeing I know not a man? And the angel uh, answered and said unto her, The Holy Ghost, or the Holy Spirit, shall come upon thee, and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore also that holy thing which shall be born of thee, shall be called the Son of God. And we'll stop right there for a moment. All right? Isn't that wonderful? 
Then the angel, of course, goes and on to tell her about Elizabeth. And Elizabeth hath conceived in her old age. And Mary says at the end of it all, be it unto me. Behold, the handmaiden of the Lord, be it unto me, even according to thy word. So wonderful. Here again, we're looking at the meaning, the true meaning of Christmas, unwrapping the gift. Now, contrary to popular culture, Christmas is Jesus's birthday, not your birthday. Some of you don't understand what I'm talking about. So let me break that down even further. On your birthday, you expect everybody to give you a gift. And if they don't give you a gift on your birthday, you get upset. If they don't even acknowledge your birthday, you get upset. Hallelujah. But it's Jesus' birthday. Now we understand that December 25th was not the day of his birth. We um, theologians say it was probably sometime around October uh, or some, somewhere around that period of time that he was actually born, but we're, we don't know the actual time, but we know it was not December the 25th. But the church has come together and decided this particular day, so here we all are celebrating the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. Now, why do we give gifts? Somebody said, why do, we, why do I give gifts then if it's Jesus' birthday? Well, we give gifts to commemorate or to celebrate his birth. God gave his best, and so we give our best to others. God gave in love. God so loved that he gave his only begotten son. So we so love and we give, right? Hallelujah. But let me tell you one thing. Remember that Jesus was born. We, we got this on last week in the book of Matthew, that Jesus came uh, to save his people from their sins right save us from the bondages of sins i love that save us from bondage are you hearing me save you from bondage so for some reason popular culture here again popular culture says i'm going to celebrate jesus birth by getting myself in debt and by um not even observing jesus i'll just have some eggnog get drunk and I'll buy a lot of presents for people who really don't care about them anyway. And hallelujah, thank you, Jesus. Just look into the world system. Are you understanding? Here again, they try to put an X where Christ is in Christmas. To X Christ out, they call it Xmas. Get Jesus out. We want the gift giving. That's great. We want the holiday season. That's great. But just don't want to hear about Jesus. Right? Okay, there are a lot of places that you can go in this world today. Now, they say they celebrate Christmas, but it's not about Christ. Okay, so please keep that in in remembrance. So we know it's the Lord's birthday and not ours, but we do give and receive gifts. That's good in the spirit of God's giving. Amen? Amen? All right. But let's not get all turned around and turned over if there is nothing under the quote unquote tree for you. Because remember, it's his birthday. Now, because it is his birthday, we give gifts to him, right? When it's your birthday, you want somebody to give a gift to you? Amen. On his birthday, you give gifts to him. What is the gift that would mean the most to him? You. When you give your life to him, when you dedicate your life to him, when you say yes to him, because everything else in this world really doesn't matter. It is you that he gave his life for. It is you that he died for. He wants you. You are the best gift that you can give God. You know that? Turn to your neighbor and tell him you ought to put a bow on your forehead now. 
I'm telling you, because you are the best gift. Don't you know that angels rejoice when people give their lives to the Lord? They, there's a rejoicing in heaven. There's a party in heaven every time somebody gives their life to the Lord Jesus. And you don't have to wait till Christmas time to do it either. Isn't that wonderful? <clears throat> That's wonderful. All right, let me give you just a few things. Here again. When the Lord came to save us from our sins, it was a threefold purpose again. Number one, the purpose was to uh, have us to uh, escape the penalty of judgment. We're escaping the wrath of God. Uh, the, rather, the wrath, of, the wrath of God toward the believer has been escaped. We don't have to worry about the wrath of God. This is because of Jesus' birth. Remember, he came to save his people from their sins. That's why they call him the Messiah. Really? The word Messiah means savior, deliverer. Hallelujah. What did Jesus come to save me from? My sins. And there's a threefold purpose in that. One, we, he came, he was born in that, um, in that manger, right? Right? Born in the manger. And why, somebody said, why was he born in the manger, not in the, not in the inn? Well, we know that there was not enough room in the inn, but the manger was a very fitting place for him to be born. Why is that? Because he is the Lamb of God who comes to take away the sin of the world. He's the Lamb, the Lamb. Lambs are not born in inns. Lamb, lambs are born there in the barns, in the mangers. Are you hearing me? Highly symbolic that he will be born there because he is the lamb of God, God's perfect sacrifice to take away man's sins. Perfectly, perfect sacrifice. All right, so one, uh, Jesus came that we would escape the penalty of judgment. So when we all expire, if the Lord Jesus um, tarries, when we go into the grave, we don't have to worry about God judging you and sending you to the basement. You don't have to worry about that. Hallelujah. Are you hearing me? You got your fire insurance. Praise the Lord. You got your, 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 your premium is paid up. Praise God. Secondly, he came, he was born to deliver us from the power of sin. Deliver us from the power of sin and its effects uh, on us, uh, which include shame, guilt, um, of course, iniquity, uh, insecurity, death, uh, sickness, pain, addiction, torment, fear, and all negative things. This is what his birth accomplished, him coming here. This is what it accomplished. Are you hearing me? Thirdly, uh, he was born so that uh, we could uh, restore an intimate relationship with our heavenly father. And in fact, so that we can call him father. Remember on the Old Testament, he was called God or he was called um, Jehovah and all, there are a whole lot of other titles, but he was not known as father to us until Jesus came. Are you hearing? <clears throat> so here again, and as we call him father, that of course means that we must be sons, children, children of God. Amen. So threefold purpose. Why was Jesus born? Why would, why, what is the big hoopla about Christmas? Why is the big hoopla about Jesus in the manger? What, what's the big, what's the, what's the big deal with that? What, what's all that about? Well, he is God's gift to mankind. 
For God so loved the world that he gave this gift called Jesus Christ. Well, what's the big deal? Why was he born in the first place? To save his people from their sins. What's the big deal about that? One, so that I could escape the penalty of judgment, the wrath of God. I could escape the wrath of God. Two, so that, that I could be delivered from my sin and the effects of my sin. Are you hearing? And thirdly, so that I could be restored to an intimate relationship with the Father. Hallelujah. So that I could really be his child and he could be my father. And we could have an intimate, growing relationship one with another. That's the big deal. Hallelujah. It is not about another Rubik's Cube under the tree. Another Mattel toy, another, another skirt, another tie and all that. Now all those things are well and fine. Hallelujah. But without that gift that God gave, none of it, none of it would matter. I pray you're hearing. Now, let's look at something here. We looked at this last week. Um, let's go to the book of Isaiah. Isaiah, Isaiah, the seventh chapter, Isaiah 7. You can turn there if you like, or I'm just going to read this one verse, Isaiah 7, 14. We talked about the virgin birth on last week. We're going to go a little bit more in detail about that on this week. Uh, now, those, uh, there are people that have been disputing the virgin birth of the Lord Jesus Christ for centuries, for centuries, saying it didn't happen. They can come to you with your Bible and, and, and bring up uh, other fancy words and say, no, this word didn't mean that. No, that word didn't mean that. That's not what really happened. She wasn't a virgin. She was a young lady and this and that and the other. They can say all of that stuff. But let me tell you this, child of God. Let me tell you this. If Jesus was not born of a virgin, then that would mean that, mean that he was just a man. And if he was just a man, you're still in your sin. If he was just a man, then that means that he was not God's sacrifice. That means that you're going to stand before God under penalty of judgment. And that would mean that you're not filled with the Holy Spirit. That would mean that what you pray, who you're praying to. Who's standing between you and God? Hallelujah. So there, the, this virgin birth is a big deal. Big deal. As we saw, uh, Mary asked the angel there in the book of Luke, how shall this thing be seeing I know not a man? Well, the Holy Spirit's going to come. The Holy Spirit is going to come. And he's going to overshadow you. Not sure when it's going to happen, but he's going to come over you and he is going to place himself inside of you. And that holy thing, Jesus, will be inside of you and he will grow up as a man. And walk the earth, God in the flesh. Are you hearing me? Now listen to Isaiah 14, because Isaiah foretells of this virgin birth. Isaiah the 7th chapter, verse 14, you can make a note of it. It says this, therefore the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name one. Emmanuel. Now you will notice that there's a difference in the spelling in the Old Testament of Emmanuel and in the New Testament. The Old Testament has it, I begin with I, Emmanuel. The New Testament has it with, spelt with an E, Emmanuel. Both mean the exact same thing. Just because it's just uh, in the translation between the two, but they both mean the exact same thing. So I know some of you would have noticed, so I thought I'd bring it out for you. You're very astute. 
Again, it said, Behold, a virgin shall conceive and shall bear a son, and you're going to call his name Emmanuel, meaning God with us. All right. So God is going to come and impregnate Mary with his seed inside of Mary. And Mary is going to bring forth a son. Now, this is wonderful. She's going to bring forth a child. Now, I want you to see something here as we go uh, also. Now, this is very critical that we understand. Let me get uh, Isaiah. Go to Isaiah 9 again. Isaiah 9. Now, this time you can really turn to it. I want you to see this. I want you to see this. Isaiah 9. I want you to see a few things because last week we talked about, too, the the difference between the child and the son. Now, this is extremely critical for you to understand. Or else you go through yet another year just receiving a gift, something under the tree, something from someone else, and the year just goes along, la, 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 no change. But there is deliverance in this season. But the devil has perverted it so that in this season, a lot of people experience depression and anxiety during this season. But there is deliverance in this season when you understand the true meaning, the true meaning of the birth of Jesus Christ. Are you hearing? All right. Uh, Isaiah 9. And let me bring to you something else as, we, as you get Isaiah 9. Uh, James, James 1.17 says this. Every gift, every good gift and every perfect gift is from above. Jesus is a good and perfect gift from God. Every good Gift and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the father of lights with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. Isn't that wonderful? Here again, the gift is going to come from above the Holy Spirit from above to the earth from above to beneath. And it's going to come out of Mary and John eight. You can make a note of this again if you want. John 8, verses 23 through 24 reads like this. Jesus said this himself. He said, and, and he said unto them, ye are from beneath. He's talking to the scribes and Pharisees. You are from beneath. I am from above. Are you hearing? Amen. Listen to that language. The Lord testifying of himself now. Now he's no longer a baby in the manger. Now he's grown up and he understands who he is. And why he has come. And he's telling others that are disputing who he is. He says, you are from beneath. You are from down here. I am from above. I am not from down here. You understanding? So to those again that would dispute the virgin birth, Jesus says that himself, I'm not from here. You are from here, but I am not from here. Isn't that something? He says that you are from beneath. I am from above. You are of this world. I am not of this world. Isn't that something? Verse 24 says, uh, I said, therefore, unto you that ye shall die in your sins. Why? For if ye believe not that I am he, you will die in your sins. Or you shall die your sins. Why? Because you don't believe that I am he. Well, who are you? He? Who are you? Who are you, Jesus? I'm the one that was born there in the manger. I'm the one that came down from God who was born. Why? Who came out to save you from your sins. And if you don't believe that I am he, you will die in your sins. 
Can you see how that comes together? And a nice, neat bowl there, I'm telling you, it is awesome. Listen to that same verse out of the Amplified Bible. Here again, this is John 8, 23 and 24. Out of the Amplified, it says this. He said unto them, you are from below. I am from above. You are of this world, of this earthly order. I am not of this world. Verse 24, that is why I told you that you will die in in under the curse of your sins for if you do not believe that i am he whom i claim to be if you do not adhere to trust in and rely on me you will die in your sins why did Jesus come to save his people from their sins? If you do not believe that that little baby was God's gift to God's gift to mankind for that purpose, then you will die in your sins. What does that mean? That, that, that means that you will face the penalty of judgment. That would mean that the, uh, the effects of sin are still in your life. And here again, what are the effects of sin? Sin, uh, there is sickness, there is disease, there is death, uh, there is uh, all kind of infirmity. Everything negative comes as a result of sin. And Jesus said, I've come to break that power off of your life. Does that make sense to you? Amen. Now look at, uh, look at Isaiah 9. Here again, let's go there. Well, we're learning very well today, aren't we? Now, this is also very crucial for you to understand. Isaiah 9, verse 6 and 7. Look at this. It says, for unto us a what? A child is born. Underline the word child. For unto us a child is born. For It says, unto us what? A son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulder. And his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the mighty God, the everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Isn't that something? Now, how many of you have heard that song? I think it's Handel's Messiah that sings that song. Anybody? For unto us a child is born, unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, son is given, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders, and his name shall be called a wonderful counselor, the mighty God, the everlasting father, the the Prince of Peace. Come on, none of y'all been in the choir before and sang that song? Well, praise the Lord. It is a nice song when it is nicely sung, right? But where did that come from? Isaiah, the ninth chapter, verse number six, right? And look at verse number seven. It says, of the increase of his government and peace, there shall be no end. Upon the throne of David and upon his kingdom to order it and to establish it with judgment and with justice from henceforth even forever. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform it. Now, we said if you hold your finger there, because we said some things there in the book of Luke, Luke the first chapter. I'm going to go back to it. In Luke the first chapter. I told you to make note of some things there in Luke, the first chapter. You remember that? Let me go ahead and get that. 
Luke, the first chapter. In verse 32, it says again, And he shall be great and shall be called the son of the highest. The Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father, David. Remember, I told you about that, right? Now, David was not Jesus's biological father. We know that God is the baby's daddy. Isn't that right? The father, this, this, this term, it says, the throne of his father, David, talks about the lineage of David. He will be born into that lineage. Are you hearing? All right. God promised David that he would, uh, that he would uh, increase his kingdom. Of his kingdom, there would be no end. He promised him that David would, he promised God, promised David, you're going to have an everlasting kingdom. Okay. So he established that word in David and Jesus comes and sits on the throne of David, so to speak. Are you hearing me? In that same order. So this is why it says of, in, in verse 32, uh, he will give unto him the throne of his father David. Because David's throne, God already said, this will be an everlasting kingdom. In order for that to happen, that would either mean A, David will live forever. But that didn't happen. All right. Neither did his lineage, so to speak. The, those that his sons and all that, they died off. Other people, bad people came in and all that stuff. But God takes back that throne and says, Jesus, you sit on that throne because that is an everlasting throne. This is a word that was spoken and that must be established. Isn't that wonderful? Verse 33 says here, it says, and he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom, there shall be no end. Now, this is wonderful. You really got to get this. I'm going to jump up and shout one time. Hold on a second. Yeah. All right, I'm back. Had to get that out. Please excuse me. He said, of his kingdom, there shall be no end. Now, we're going to look at verse 7 before we get back up to verse number 6 again. I want you to see this. Verse 7 says, of the increase of his kingdom and peace, there shall be what? No end. So when Luke, Luke was um, looking back to the book of Isaiah, talking about what God had already prophesied there. Isn't that right? Now, once you see this, it says, verse 7, you're reading with me? Verse 7 says, of the increase. Say increase three times. Of the increase of his government. Of the increase of his government. Luke says kingdom, one and the same. Of the increase of his government or, or, or kingdom uh, and peace, there shall be no end. Now, when you think about the word increase, what comes to mind? More, right? More, more and more and more and more. Now, think about that in terms of a kingdom or a governmental reign. That would mean that the kingdom has to be what? Expanding. Isn't that right? He said, the word of God says, of his, in, or rather, the increase of his government or the increase of his kingdom or of his reign will never, never end. It will always increase. His reign, his rule, his kingdom will always increase. You think about that. Hmm, is that God just talking? How is that going to happen? Now, government and kingdom talks about a territory. Right? Talks about land. So, that would mean that the land would continue to increase. But 
isn't the earth a certain size? How is it going to increase just on earth? No, think bigger. Well, how about our solar system? Is it going to increase? No, think bigger. Think about cosmos. Think about galaxies. Now, let me, let me, um, let me read to you this. I, I love this. This is so, 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 so very powerful. Now, of the increase of his kingdom, there will be no end. Increase of his government. Now, NASA has already said, now you, there's an article on NASA's website uh, from October the 4th, 2012. It says the universe is expanding faster than we thought. That's on NASA's website. I think that they ought to know something. They say the universe is expanding faster than we thought. Uh, they have a, uh, the, the Spitzer's, Spitzer's uh, Space Telescope uh, sent back pictures, of course, to the NASA, to their computers and all that stuff. And as they log these things in, they discovered that it is, in fact, expanding. It is growing. It is growing. It is growing. Uh, the, the Hubble, they have to actually go back and, and re-figure out things that they have thought before because they thought it was at a certain rate or maybe not, but no, it is in fact growing. So the scripture says again in Isaiah the ninth chapter, verse number seven, of the increase of his government, of the increase of his kingdom, they're not going to be an end. It's already happening right now. He's increasing his territory, increasing his rule and reign even right this very moment. I pray you got that. That's wonderful. That's wonderful. Now I'll go back up to verse number six as we begin to close. Verse number six says, for unto us a, a what? A child is born. Unto us a son is given. Now, why in the world would they be two different terms right here? As he talks, he's talking, of course, about the Lord Jesus as God giving that gift. But the Lord says two different terms. He says the word child and he says the word son, child and son. Why would he use those two different words? Why? Some ask your neighbor, I wonder why he said that. Very good. Listen, because the child was born, listen, but the son was what? Given. Unto, for unto us a child is born, unto us a, a son is, come on, sing with me, unto us a, a son is, oh Lord help us choir. The child is born, the son was given. Jesus was never born, he already existed. For before the foundation of the world, remember in John the first chapter, it says in the beginning was God and the word was with God and the word was God and that word became flesh. Jesus was never born. The son was never born. He was already existed. He was already in existence. That's why it says the son was given, but the child was born. The child meaning his flesh, his humanity. Hallelujah. Are y'all with me today? You, when I look at you, I see your flesh. I see your flesh. And understand, your spirit came from God. God imparted his, your spirit into you, and then you came on out. 
All right. Now, when those two come together, I don't know. That's the big debate of that with the abortionists and all that stuff now. But when at the uh, we believe at the point of conception, one comes, the other comes. Bang. And the child is a living soul, living organism at that point. All right. When I look at you, I don't see the real you. I see your flesh. In fact, I really don't know you. I I really have never seen you before in my life. All I know is your flesh. We're at a funeral yesterday, a home-going service at the ministry yesterday. And as a man was laying there in the casket, that's not him. He's gone. He's his flesh there. Now, I believe he was born again. So he's standing before the Lord. The real him is standing before the Lord. He just left his shell behind. Are you hearing? So it says, for unto us... The child is, the child is born unto us. A son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders, and his name shall be called him. Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father. The help us, Lord. I'm, Praise the Lord. So here again, the child is born, the flesh, uh, tap yourself, the flesh is born, the flesh. Now, why was this important? Because God wanted his son to grow up and he needed his son to grow up as a man. Now, there are many cases in scripture when God already came down with a body. Y'all understand this? He's already he's been down here in the body. Somebody said, well, uh, what about uh, Melchizedek? We, we don't know. The Bible says clearly he had no end. Rather, he has no beginning. It must be God that received the received tithe of Abraham there. And, 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 and Melchizedek, being the high priest, came and gave him uh, uh, wine and bread. And who was that that talked to Abraham there uh, before the great uh, judgment of Sodom and Gomorrah? Well, the Bible says that Abraham was there and it says God was there speaking with him and God ate. Abraham told him, hey, wait right here. Let me go fix some food up and uh, don't leave, Lord. Don't leave. Don't leave. I'm going to go fix some food up and come back and you're going to eat it. Well, God was able to eat. He had a physical body already. And he could have at any moment uh, not gone through the whole birthing process. He could have just come down. Are you hearing? He had already manifested a physical presence on the earth before. Hallelujah. But there is a reason why he wanted to go through the whole birthing process and walk the earth as a man so that he could have all the experiences that we would have. Scripture says we have not a high priest that has not been touched with all of our infirmities. He, he knows what we've been going through. You talk about uh, children, talk about, oh, my mom and daddy, I don't know what's up with them. Da, da, da. Jesus can say the whole thing. He was there in the temple and uh, they had to find him. Mary and Joseph had to find him and say, son, I thought you were with us. Jesus said, don't you know I must be about my father's business up in here? And they said, come on, come on, come on. And the Bible says that Jesus became subject unto his parents at that time. Hallelujah. He knows all about that. He knows about betrayal. He knows about um, uh, feeling hurt and, and definitely being wounded and being bruised. And, and, and he knows about all that. He, went, he was born through the entire 
Uh, he was born so they could go through the entire human experience. He was born, the body was born, he was in the body, hallelujah, the spirit of Christ in the body, walked through the earth and he died. He understands the entire experience. He is the perfect sacrifice. Are you hearing? Oh, this is good stuff. So here again, the child refers to his flesh, the flesh of Christ. Uh, we can see more of that in Hebrews, the 10th chapter, verses uh, 5 and 20. You can make note of that, verses 5 and uh, 20, Hebrews 10th chapter. Uh, it says, uh, the vision of the prophet is that the long-expected Messiah is born and it is seen growing up amidst the surrounding darkness. He surely does. The Son refers to, again, the divinity of God, being God in the flesh. Who is he called? Emmanuel. Emmanuel meaning what? God with us. This is wonderful. So um, there are so many more things we could see there. Uh, I'll just have to show you that later. Uh, but you know, his name is going to be called Wonderful, referring to his works. Uh, counselor, he's going to restore the gap between God and man. Mighty God, he's called the Mighty God. Here again, I have no problem calling Jesus God because the Bible calls him God. He's going to be called the mighty God uh, who stands uh, with me. He, the mighty God, stands with you. Isn't that wonderful? Amen. He's also called the everlasting father. Isn't that something? Amen. And he's also called what? The prince of peace. That is just awesome, awesome, awesome any day of the week. Are you hearing? Let me give you this one more thing. Then we're going to close out today. Are you, are, have I given you too much or are you, are you good? Now let's talk, talk lastly about this term here. It said, and the government shall be upon his shoulders. The government shall be upon his shoulders. Now, I need, I need a lady to come up and help me right quick. Yes, I need a lady to come up and help me. I think this time it better be my wife. Come on up here, honey because she's going to have to be a bride and I don't want any word to go around town. And I need, if I could, if I could get someone to give me that little cloth off of that table back there in the back. I would really appreciate it. Look, look at everybody. Move, 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 move. Appreciate it. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Now the Bible talks about government and the government shall be upon his shoulders. Two meanings. Say two meanings. Two meanings. One we know, government means the, the rule, supremacy, right? The government should be upon the shoulders. Shoulders talk about strength, right? Strong shoulders, strong manly shoulders, right? Why are y'all laughing at me? All right, yes, yes. In the Eastern culture, the woman would go around, and you still see this in some places today, she would have a veil over her face, covering her face, her hair, covering most of her body. Right? The veil. You still see this in some places today. All right? Now, this veil is to shield her from the public. Okay? It's to shield or to protect her from the public, from the world. So this veil is a protection. Okay? It's supposed to symbolize a protection. And she only uncovers herself in a safe environment. 
and you'll see them uncovering themselves at home. There's no veil worn in, in home in Middle Eastern culture. Okay, now that is the same way in some places today, and it was that way there in the Bible time. So, uh, now some, in some cases, the veil would be worn. You could see the face, but you, they, would cover, they would cover the hair because the hair was thought to be the glory. Okay, and the glory was supposed to be reserved for her, for her family, for her husband and her family. Okay, so she would only reveal that uh, at home. Now, during a wedding ceremony, the veil covered her face. The veil covered all of her. Now, in Jewish culture, they had what was known as some may still do today. They have what's called arranged marriages. Okay, arranged marriage where the husband uh, or the betrothed uh, uh, did not know his wife, hadn't even met her before, hadn't seen her at all. This was an arranged marriage. She had not seen him. He had not seen her. Okay. And on the day of marriage, she would be presented to him veiled. And there's a lot of praying that day. <laughs> so you know what I'm talking about. A lot of praying that day. Oh my God, daddy. Did you do me right now? Did you do me right? <laughs> you know what I like that though? Don't bring no Medusa up in here. Don't do it, daddy. So there's a lot of trust that the son has to the father. Okay? Now, this is also a picture of the New Testament church. Because the church is known to be, well, out of the church comes the bride, becomes the bride of Christ. And Jesus uh, is our husband. Are you hearing? That's why the Lord says, when the Lord Jesus said, I'm going away to prepare a place for you so that where I am, you may be there also. Now, who says that? It is the bridegroom that says that. Because he tells his bride, honey, I'm going away to prepare a place for us. And when the house is ready, when everything is ready, I'll come back and get you. And we'll have our full ceremony in this engagement period. Isn't that something? The man goes off and gets a house, makes sure he has a job, makes sure he has all these things together ready for her. And when everything is ready for her, and then he comes back and gets her. In today's culture, honey, you got your own house? You got your own house? Can I live with you in your house? Not saying anything wrong with that, but you understand what I'm saying? All right, just, just going right here. So on the wedding ceremony, the priest is there. If you would come here, my bride. Wait, 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 don't show me your face yet. You can't see. Okay, I'm sorry. All right, she's standing with me now. And I don't know if I was in back in that day, I'd be sweating some bullets. I don't know. Okay, but we're here on this, here in this time. Now, here again, we're talking about, anybody remember the word that started all this? Government. Very good. The government. Now, government does mean power. It means rule. It does mean supremacy, right? The government should be upon his shoulders, his strength. But in a marriage sense, the government is also the veil. Hear me, it's also the veil. So when the scripture says, and his government shall be upon his shoulders, that means that her face, her glory is now revealed, and I pull this off a little bit there. Okay, a little bit, yeah. And I place it on my shoulder. Ooh, isn't this cozy? <laughs> and someone yells in the room, the government, the government shall be upon his shoulder. 
That means I am now her protection. I will now protect her. I will now shield her from the world. I will now cover her. Now she's under my covering. Are you hearing? The government shall now be upon his shoulder. Do you take me as your husband? Yes, you're free. Thank you. I don't know if she answered me, but uh, after 20 years, I hope you say yes. All right. So the Lord said, now look, now look at, think about that in the context of Isaiah 9. Let's read, let's read it again. Um, uh, verse number six, for unto us a child is born, unto us the son is given, what? And the government shall be upon his shoulders. <laughs> right? Which means that this child that will be born would be our covering. He would be our shield. He would be our protector. He will be legally bound to take care of us. Under God, legally bound, he is responsible for us. He will take care of us. Hallelujah. He will provide for us. He will shield us from the dangers of the world. He will see my glory. Hallelujah. And receive me. Hallelujah. Isn't that something? Now, Jesus, unlike us, he knew what he was getting himself into. Hallelujah. He wasn't there sweating bullets. He knew what he was getting himself into. Now, we are under that veil. And we're looking, oh, I don't know if you're going to like me or not. Oh, no, I don't know if you're going to like me or not. I don't know, I don't know. But Jesus already knows and says, I accept you. I love you. You are his bride. You are his betrothed. And he is responsible for you. And he will care for you. And at the last day in the in book of Revelation, we see the marriage supper of the Lamb. Well, who's gotten married? Well, it's the Lord to the church. And he is officially announcing throughout eternity, this is my responsibility. They are my responsibility. I will shield them. I will cover them. I will provide for them. I will protect them. And he's made a place for us to dwell. Isn't that something? Hallelujah. Did you receive that word today? Hallelujah. Well, then give God a mighty hand of praise. We're done in Jesus' mighty name. We pray that you are richly blessed by today's message. We would love to connect with you. Just go to our website at kingdomrock.org. You can become our friend on Facebook or follow us on Twitter and subscribe to our YouTube channel and a whole lot more right there at kingdomrock.org. We would love to hear from you. And if you're in the Bremen area, please stop by and join us every Sunday morning. Sunday school is at 9 a.m. and Sunday morning is at 10. Wednesday night, we have what's called Hour of Power. It starts at 6.30 p.m. All are invited. We're located at 180 Helton Road in Bremen, Georgia. Give us a call at 770-537-1933. We would love to hear from you. And if you have a prayer request, by all means, please log on to our website at kingdomrock.org and click on the prayer page. Until tomorrow, remember that Jesus is Lord. Choose him as your Lord today. Only he can make a way.